that Paul, when he, he was, we know about Paul that he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, the, he was a Hebrew among Hebrews. He, he described himself uh, as being one who uh, was a Roman citizen, the Bible tells us, because uh, when they went to uh, flog him, he had mentioned that it's illegal for you to flog a Roman citizen. We know that he was from uh, Cilicia. He, he was from a, a prominent place, a place that was you know, regarded very highly. We know that he, had, he was highly educated, right? We know all of these things. Paul grew up, uh, he, was, he had all, and he wasn't afraid to talk about it either, but, he was, but only in this context where we pick it up in Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of the sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. My brothers and sisters, and and those of you who maybe are just about to be a brother or sister, you know what the Apostle Paul is saying here, man, I was a zealot for God. I was was so religious and I had everything. The Hebrew among Hebrews, I was a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I grew up, I went to the best private school that there can be. But all of that was garbage and I I, I counted all of that as, as just, I could just throw that away. It was meaningless. It was worthless to me. That all of that stuff that's so highly regarded then became worthless to me for the excellency of knowing Christ. Amen? And so I'm going to pick up now in, in um, verse um, 12. Not that I've already attained. This is having to do now with the end, the resurrection of his life. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So today's message is pressing toward the goal. Pressing toward the goal. You know, God's called us, I, I, I mentioned just a moment ago, but God has called us to several things, and these things count. He's called us to be saints, 1 Corinthians 1. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2. He's called us to be into his kingdom and into his glory, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, to his eternal glory, 1 Peter 5. Eternal life, 1 Timothy. And, and more and more, it goes on and on. God has called us to have these things here and now. He's called us to be part of his kingdom now. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to be called, number one, his saint, his child. We don't have to wait to get to heaven in order to experience his kingdom. In fact, we know this because we've studied this together. Those of you who have been with me, we live according to his kingdom now. Well, what does that imply? Well, that implies what he expects from us. It's not, we, we, we obey the laws of the land because that's also part of what he expects from us. He tells us to obey the law of the land and to respect those who have authority over us. So we do that in this life as long as it doesn't cross with worshiping him, with honoring him, because he's our king. Amen? So we live our lives according to his principles and precepts. We're in his kingdom now. 
But this upward call, this, we're called by God, but there's more. This is what Paul is saying. You know, I, have, I've, I, I counted all those things as rubbish, and I, 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 I am so thankful now that I'm in fellowship with Jesus Christ. I know him, and I want to know him more. And not just in the, listen, not just in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship is, of his sufferings. There's more. There's more. Not to see, notice what he said. Uh, could you put that back, Mary, for me, please? Notice what he said. Not that I've already apprehended. Not that I've already gotten there yet. Not that I've already gotten there yet. He's continuing to go forward, leaving those things behind, going forward. There's, a, there's still a goal ahead. As far as Christianity goes, as far as his walk with Jesus Christ goes, man, even, I know, so I'm repeating myself, so some of you saints have been waiting for, just, just hang on, because some, some people here haven't heard this lately. Paul received such revelation from God that, that he, he, he was taken into the third heaven. He saw Jesus, and he said, I was as one born you know, out of his time. He saw Jesus. Jesus knocked him to the ground when he first met. He first introduced himself to him. He knocked him to the ground and blinded him so that he could see spiritually. But then when he started seeing spiritually, he started following Christ, and Christ told him in that first meeting the things that he was going to suffer for Christ's sake. I'm in. Can you imagine? But because he was willing to follow Christ and follow him closely without, listen, be totally obedient to him, Jesus continued to give him revelation. Even the apostle Peter mentioned something in one of his epistles that the revelation that Paul gets is sometimes hard to understand. It's, it's above. So this is Paul. And Paul says, I haven't gotten there yet. There's still a goal out there that I'm reaching for, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm reaching ahead. I want to tell you all something. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many years you've been a Christian. And it doesn't matter. I'm a, so I got a lot of young people on this side. Not on that side. I got the young people on this side, <laughs> including Tara. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. There's still more. There's still more. See, how do I know that? Because if you look at Apostle Paul, all of the things that happen and all the revelation that he has, and in this, he's saying there's more. I'm, I'm, I'm stri- there's a goal. There's something out there that I'm still continuing on. I haven't gotten all the way there yet. Was taken into the third heaven, but I haven't gotten all the way there yet. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there's more. Hallelujah. I'm glad about that. Listen, this is what uh, Peter says. 1 Peter 1, 3 or 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, great. We're going to be raised from the dead. We have everlasting life. Yeah, but there's more. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. See, there's more. There's something more. No matter how good or how bad it gets down here, no matter what happens, you are called to an eternal glory. You haven't received everything, even if the apostle Paul hadn't received it during his lifetime, the whole of it, you know that there's more. Sometimes uh, these words mean more to me than others, and I mentioned it uh, during the prayer time. It came to pass. Four words. And sometimes I'm, I can't wait for it to pass. I need it to pass. This is hard on me, Lord. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? 
But I thought when you come to Jesus, everything is hunky-dory. You know, everything is sunshine and lollipops, you know? You just live your life in faith and everything comes to you. You're going to be rich and blah, blah, blah. Just trust him. If they killed him for living a perfect life, what makes you think it's going to be sunshine and lollipops for you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah? Yeah, hallelujah. See, that's what Paul was talking about to us. You know what? Uh, Listen, not just in the powers of resurrection, but in the fellowship of his sufferings. Hallelujah. I get to be more like him. Proverbs 15.24 says this, The way of life winds upward to the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. Yeah, there's a hell to shun. And see, so many people in this modern era, in in situations like I find myself in right now, they have stopped talking about hell. It's not popular. Man, there is a hell to shun. And I'm so thankful that he went ahead and paved the way for me to... And see, the proverb just tells me, the, the way of life winds upward for the wise. I've been called to eternal life. I've been called to it, and that way continues upward. I'm called upward. Are you, are you with me? So let's go back to Brother Paul. In 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says this, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Man, and, and look at this. So when he, actually, just prior to this, he says, you know, I've been poured out. I'm, I'm, he's, he knows that his end is about to come. He knows that he's about to, uh, to die. And so he's saying this. But I like the way he says it. He says, I've, I've, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the race. Now he's, you know, the Olympics way back then, he's talking about, you know, he's giving them something that they could relate to. He's, he's painting them a picture. He's giving them an illustration, if you will. I fought, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've remained faithful. You know, I, listen, how many times have we heard in the past, you know, maybe, uh, I can't remember specifically the year, so if somebody remembers, help me out. Wasn't there a specific year where they, there was a marathon run and somebody accused somebody of cheating? They, they took a shortcut or they didn't. I, I can't remember what year that was. But they, they took a shortcut. They, they, they went, they, come on. So now this is, you can't take a shortcut. This is what Paul is saying. I have remained faithful. I've run the course that God has laid out before me in Christ. I've run that race. I did not do it my way. I didn't go my way. I didn't take any shortcuts. I didn't even look for a shortcut. I ran the race that he laid before me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now the prize awaits me. But not just him. Look at how he tells us. Look at what the Holy Spirit tells us through him. The prize awaits everybody who loves him and is looking for his return. Amen? Okay, then then again now, again, this is our brother Paul speaking again in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that, they, that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. 
So now, when you first read this at first glance, is the apostle telling us that we're competing with each other? He says, everybody runs the race, but there's only one prize given out. No, he's, again, he's trying to speak in terms that they can understand. I think what he's saying is, what you've got to look at is after that. So run to win. That's the key. So run to win. What? Because there's a goal in mind. I'm not just running just for the sake of running. He's saying run to win. Run toward that goal. Run to that mark. Remember where we started? I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, there's this goal. I'm running this race. I'm completing my course because there is a prize. There is a prize. There is a goal. But look what he says. So I run with purpose in every step. I just don't run this course just for the sake of running it. I'm just not going ahead and, and, you know, just running and hoping that I'm making it closer to that prize. Every step has purpose. Well, we must have stayed up late last night, huh? I want to show you something. Get Addie to help me. That was an automatic paper remover. Okay. And I left the darts in the other office, so we'll just forget it. Come here. I'll I'll do you anyway. What was supposed to happen if I... I would have told her to stay here and throw darts at that balloon. And if she hits the balloon, she gets all the money that I got in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody got any darts? No. <laughs> yeah, but you see that? You see that? So that might even be a better illustration. Do you see that? You want me to get the door? Yeah, for all the money I got in my pocket. I'll do that. And she would say, see, what I wouldn't have done is I wouldn't have called you know, anybody. I know she hadn't been to a bar yet and had a lot of the practice, you know what I'm saying? So I, I would have watched out who I, who I asked for. But, but think about that. I would have had her stand on line and just throw these darts. And she would have tried to get that for all the money I got in my pocket which is nothing, but she didn't know that. <laughs> now I've got a little bit. But the fact of the matter, let's, let, let me ask you this. If, if, let's just say I would have, you could sit down, honey. I, I'm sorry. Hey, f- folks, think about this for a moment. If, let's look at it this way as well. I put a balloon up there, and I say, okay, you hit that balloon, and you get the winning lottery ticket, or I'll just give you a million dollars. Would you do it? If you knew that, that, it was true. That's all you had to do was stand here and throw darts at that balloon and you'll win a million dollars. Would you do it? If I said, hey, I'll give you a week to practice, would you practice? I, I would. You wouldn't? You fool. Boom. He's, he's spending time at the bar. He's already good at it. No, no, are you with me? Do you understand? Do you understand the principle? See, the, the, here, the goal, I'm, I'm aiming for this mark. I'm aiming for the mark. I'm aiming for this mark. The mark. 
Because when I hit that mark, there's a prize. See, the mark isn't the prize. The mark isn't the prize. I get the prize for hitting the mark. Right now. But I've got to concentrate on that mark. See, I can't have the prize without the mark. And the mark is useless without the prize. So I got to hit that mark, you see. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to spend my time and I'm going to be focused on that mark. That, that's my goal. That mark is my goal. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. So, you, you know, if that prize was extremely valuable, uh, you know, it, it, why would... Let's just, I, I, use the, I use the example of a million dollars. Why? Why would I do that? Who don't want a million dollars? I mean, that's, uh, what a stupid question that is, right? I could do a lot with a million dollars. Okay, well, what could you do with it? No, you could buy things. House, pay off all your bills maybe, or, or do whatever it is that you want with it, regardless of what it is that you could do with it, but things that we, in, that we would perceive would make you happy, bring you joy, which would be fleeting unless it's joy of the Lord. Right? Are you with me so far? Okay, stay with me. Because it's amazing how in different stages of our lives, different things make us happy. So I remember when I was younger, I mean, I could not wait to graduate high school. I couldn't wait to get out of school. I wanted to get out of school so bad. Didn't quit, stayed in there, got good grades, but I really didn't, toward my end of my senior, I did not want to go to college. I just wanted to get out of school, start working and making money. That was, that was it. So I'm, prior to that, when I, where I grew up, when you were 16, you got your um, restricted driver's license, and man, I couldn't wait. So my goal, my object, my, my vision was toward that. I'm going to hit that goal. And then when I got that, you know, I got to get a car, my first car. So my vision, my goal is that. My mark is that. My heart, everything, you know, my energy. Are you with me? Anybody, can anybody relate to that? Absolutely. And then see, then I got out of school, you see. I graduated high school. Hallelujah, no more school. Yeah, right. Then I found out real quick if I wanted to get a decent job, I, I should probably go back to school. So I did that. Then couldn't wait to do that. But in the, in, in the meantime, I met this uh, wonderful young girl named Michelle Prettyman. And I couldn't wait to marry her and have a family with her and raise children. I, that was a goal. That was, it was good. And, and you know what? And then the children came. And then I couldn't wait for them to grow up and leave. And that, no, I'm just <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I love my kids. No, but you see, what I'm saying to you is they're, they're, the different goals, you look at the different goals that we have in our lives. And when we hit that goal, then something else happens. Then there's another one. Come on now. Stay with me. You guys are looking at me like I've got three heads up here. Come on. That, what's, what's my goal? What's my... See... My brothers and sisters, yeah, uh, so many of us were, were raised in church uh, in this modern era in the United States. Like I said earlier, I referred to it earlier, that everything is a cakewalk once you're born again. And see, once you're saved, that's it. You're heaven bound and, and nothing else matters. When your breath leaves this body, you're going to heaven and that's it. Nothing, that, that's not it. Because see, it's an upward call. It's a, it's a race that we're running and we're not running against each other. It's, it's not we're, we're racing to, to, to hit that mark before God takes it out of the way. That, that's not it either. This race that we're running is we're trying to go ahead and, and get all of those people around us to see Jesus. 
That's the race that we're in. That's this thing that we're, the race that we're running is to be more like Jesus. I know at the end, I'm going to look like, it says, then, now we know in part, then face to face. It says, for now we look through a glass, glass darkly, but then we're going to see him and we're, listen, we're going to see him and we're going to change. Amen. We're going to be more like him. So I'm running this race, and while I'm running, i got to run this course. This course that I'm running is upward. This mark that he set before me, i got to hit this target. i got to hit that goal. Not like when I was in school. Pass this test. There's another one right over there. Pass that. You know, and then I hit this stage in my life, and then there's this other stage in my life, and then now I'm older. I'm looking at you know maybe if the Lord tarries, what's the end of my life going to look like? I mean, am I going to be able to retire someday or all this other stuff? You know what? When I get there, it's not the end. I'm still running a race. How many retired people we got in here? <laughs> Long way to go, my brother. Long way to go. Long way to go. You may be retired in your mind, but hey, did it end? You're still running the race. Still this course. How many, how many high school graduates do we have in the room? Did it end? College graduates? Did it end? Is it all over? That was it? You hit the mark? Done? No. Of course not. Is, am, am, I, am I talking junk here? Is this silly? No, I'm trying to illustrate to you. My brothers and sisters, if you're born again, if you're a child of God, you're still in this race, no matter how old or young you are. You're called to something that's moving you upward. You're called, so keep your eye on that mark, on that goal. All right, when, uh, when we were talking about, you know, created and called by God, you know, there was a, a character that I was trying to get, get in there and I couldn't get him in. And so I, I, I told Michelle, you know, I think we've got to go one more week. And she said, well, didn't you already tell me a couple of weeks ago that you had the Lord already spoke a message into your heart for, you know, the family fun day? I said, yeah, so that's what I have done. And, but now I see the way they intersect. And let me tell you, let me show you how. In Hebrews eleven twenty four, here's what it says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for the reward. He looked for the reward. Now, some of you, it maybe it's been a long time since you've been in uh, Genesis, Exodus. So, uh, you know, let me, let me just, you know, give you a quick. We know that, you know, Israel, the children of Israel were in subjugation to, to Egypt. You know, they had moved there because Joseph became the second most powerful man on the earth because he was so wise. God blessed him and he was able to advise, advise Pharaoh and Egypt prospered. So Pharaoh made him his prime minister. And so after a while, the Bible tells us after a little while, you know, um, when Israel moved up in there and, you know, they were, they were doing well and, you know, they were multiplying and things were going really well. They were living in harmony with the Egyptians, but something happened. And what happened was a lot of those folks, the older Egyptians started dying off. And then there was a new king of Egypt and he looked at the children of Israel and he said, wow, there's a bunch of them. If we ever have to go to a war, if anybody wants to fight against us, if they get them to fight with them, we're done. So now we're going to have to put them in subjugation. We're going to have to cause them to be laborers. We're going to have to make them forget how mighty and strong they really are. 
And he did it. He did it. And then the children of Israel, after being under subjugation and being slaves, they started crying out to God. And God heard them. And God heard them. But what happens is, as you know, Pharaoh, one of the things that he tried to do prior to just putting them in, he tried to, he tried to uh, use genocide. And what he did was he commanded all of the babies, the male babies that were born to the Israelis, be killed. Well, Moses' mother, when she gave birth to Moses, when he got so old, she put him, she made a little, uh, a little ark out of bulrush, and she floated them down the river. She, she let him go down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter happened to be bathing, and she saw Moses. And she basically adopts Moses to be her own son. And so now Moses is a prince of Egypt, being the daughter son of the Pharaoh. So now he's the grandson of the Pharaoh. So now he's in line for the throne. He's a prince of Egypt. He's trained. He's educated. He's living the life, living a great life. He's part of the royal family. But then we get to this. We also see, if you look in Exodus, it says that Moses didn't, he looked at his brothers, he looked at the Hebrews, and he felt compassion, he he felt compassion toward the Hebrews. And it says that one day, Moses saw one of the Egyptians abusing a Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian, Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand. The next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting amongst each other, and he says, why are you guys fighting amongst each other? Why are you guys battling against each other? And so one of them speaks up and says, hey, who called you to be our prince? Are you going to do to one of us like you did to that other guy? And so right away, Moses understands now it's known that he's committed this crime, so he flees. He leaves Egypt, and he goes uh, to the, where the Midianites are. And we know, you know, he ends up uh, meeting a, a woman. He helps the, helps the women of uh, uh, the Midianites and, you know, ends up getting married, having his own family. And that he's tending the flocks of, of, his, brother, of his father-in-law, Jethro. He's, he's tending the flocks. And that's when the Lord appears to him. And the Lord calls him specifically to free his people. And Moses reacts, you know, me, why me? Who, who am I? I'm going to be with you. I chose you. I called you. See, my brothers and sisters, did, when, when Moses, there was something that was stirring in him. See, he could have taken the easy way. He could have lived his life out as a prince of Egypt and maybe had even become the king of Egypt. But something on the inside of him told him that there's no, there's more. There's more. I, I, and I like the way the apostle says it or the Holy Spirit says it through the apostles in Hebrews. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, not to Israelis, to the people of God, with the people of God. That he'd rather do that than enjoy the passing pleasures for a season. See, the things that we set as goals in our lifetime, they're temporal, they're temporary, they're passing. 
the goal and the, that God has for us, the mark that God shows us, it, it's an upward calling. It's to a place that's eternal. It's to a, an existence that's eternal. It's in, like we read in Peter. It's to an inheritance that's eternal. Nothing temporal. See, uh, there, there must have been something burning on the inside of Moses that, that just told him this isn't right. There was something burning on the inside of some of you when you heard that gospel message the very first time, maybe the second time, or whatever it was, and it motivated you to say, no, there's something different. There's more. It can't be just living this life and, 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 and hoping the good outweighs the bad, and then maybe if there is a God, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make it. No. Something stirred in you when you heard the gospel message, when you heard that Jesus loved you so much that he made a sure way for you to make it. And you felt the tug on your heartstring. And you said, I need to repent. I need to change the way that I'm going. I need to refocus. I need to adjust my goal. I need to adjust things here. There needs to be a change that has to be made here. Moses sensed this. But look, I, I, I also like what it says that he, he, he chose to, to suffer with the people rather than enjoy the, the, the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Jesus hadn't even lived yet. Jesus hadn't, he was living, he was alive, but he hadn't taken a human body yet. But see, the principles of God have always been the same. The call of God on, on people's hearts has always been the same. We see it played out in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. We, we see it where we're able to go ahead and see how much God really loves us when we see the picture of him on the cross. We know exactly how much God loves us. We know exactly that God has made a way for us. We know exactly that when we see the life that he led before they, they, they killed him, before they, they terminated him brutally. We see the life that he led. We see that how could someone that good be executed that brutally. What did he do? He didn't do anything wrong. He loved. He loved. He went against the grain of the religious hierarchy and and they killed him for it. But here's what he said. No one takes my life. I freely give it. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loved you. And so now I see him at that cross and I know something's got to change. Moses, he didn't see the the cross. He didn't see that, but he knew. There was something in him. He knew. God was tugging at him and he knew something is wrong. Something, man, I got, it's wrong for these people to be treated this way. It's wrong. I'm not going to think about myself. I'm not going to think about the temporary things that I get to live. I'm not going to think about the royal family stuff. I'm not going to think about all of the good food that I get. I'm not going to think about all of the buildings I get to live in. I'm not going to think about all of this stuff that's temporary. I'm not going to think about all the women who are going to be throwing themselves at me because they want to be the next queen of Egypt. Come on now. I'm not going to... No. There's something more. There's something eternal. Man, you know what? Yeah, Tony, I'm going to talk to the young people here. Well, what would you say, Tony? You're getting older. You're looking forward to something more because, you know, you may not have a lot of days left in you. You know, I can understand that. No. No. I'm in my prime. Just ask Michelle. (laughs) 
No, don't ask her. <laughs> now, listen. Listen. It does, it, it, age means nothing. All of us are going to live forever. All of us are going to live forever. Amen. All of us. Your consciousness is going is to remain through eternity. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He made a way for me to live with him Amen. eternally. And so now, instead of Moses, and he, he, there was something that he understood about this or something because it tugged at his heartstrings and he was willing to go ahead and forsake all of that stuff that he could have lived in and lived through to be identified with his people. Yes. To be, no, not just his people. The phrase, I love the way the Bible, the Holy Spirit says it, the people of God, Amen. God's people. Amen? Hallelujah. So, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. He saw something. He seen who? God. There was something in that for him. There was something he was seeing beyond the here and now. He was seeing beyond the physical realm. He understood there was something more. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. When was that? The Passover. Those of us who uh, had communion Wednesday night, it was one of the most, one of the best ones I've ever been a a part of. It was very unconventional, I might say, but a very good uh, communion service. But it was the Passover he's talking about. Now, let me ask you all something. Think about this. When Moses goes, God, why me? Why me? Because there's something in you, Moses. You've already recognized this, Moses. I've called you to do this, Moses. Not only that, the years that he spent on the backside of that mountain, what was he doing? Tending a flock. He was learning how to shepherd a people. He was learning how to care for something other than himself. He was learning how to put lives of others ahead of his own. And it worked. How do you know that, Tony? Because I'm smart. No. But you look at the scripture. Look at all of the times from the time that they were delivered from Egypt and they walk out in that desert. How many times did, did the children of Israel put God to the test? How many times did they put God to the test? And, and who did Moses intercede for? The people. God said, I'll destroy them. I'll make you another or better people. How about it? Nope, God, that will ruin your reputation. That will ruin your reputation. My brothers and sisters, what, what am I saying? Man, what's your goal? What, what are you looking ahead to? What, what is it, what's driving you? What is driving you? If I gave you a dart, and I told you, especially you bar flies, if I gave you a dart, and I told you to pick one out, and then you get it for sure. Money. Dream home. Y'all looking? Dream home. Look at that car. I wouldn't mind driving one of them. Hey, the high school diploma for young people. I just want to get that diploma, right? Get out of school, stop going to school, make me some money or whatever, or go to college and get the college degree. Now, I'm looking for the Prince Charming or the, or the Princess or I'm looking for Cinderella. You're looking for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. If I could just get to that, if I could just get that person, my life will be set. I'll be happy. Now, you women, 
that was your opportunity to go ahead and nudge your husband and say, I sure did. <laughs> Man, that was your opportunity. I sure did. You would have got served for lunch, I bet you. Now, how about this? If I could just find that Mr. or Mrs. Wright and, and get married. See, I thought that I was looking so far. I know my wife, when, when we talk, you know, she, she, she really, um, when she was growing up, my understanding through what she's told me is she was really looking forward to having a family. That's what she wanted to do. She, she was looking forward to being a mom. And she's a good mom. But you know, you're looking forward to that. And when you get there, then what? So, yeah, I got to meet that right person. And then I'm going to be happy and everything's going to be cool. Everything's going to be all right. And then, you know, especially because if we get married and we do it right, because you know, we are Christians, you see, so we're going to go ahead and do it right. We're not just going to shack up. We're not going to live together. We're going to go ahead and, and we're going to get married, you see. No, it's not that. The job. I got to get that right job. When I get that right job, well, I'm gonna get, man, I'm going to make a lot of money. Here's the best job I ever had. I make a lot of money and do as little as possible doing it. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> At least I got a couple honest guys in here. The, the, the job I love, well, I don't got to do a lot, but I'm getting paid a lot for it. Okay, the right job. For a lot of our young men, it's got everything to do with athletics. So they're spending all of their time and all of their energy practicing and training and thinking that, you know, I, if I get to be a pro, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on easy street. I got the contracts. I got the money and all that. Well, what happens if you get hurt? Or what happens if it doesn't work out? Or what happens if it does? And you get all the money. I left this one blank. Let me ask you all something. Maybe one of those that I have here is not your thing. But what is your thing? Because I guarantee you got one. What is it? What is it that has, it's your goal. What's your goal? What's that thing you're working toward? What's that thing you think, if I had this, I'm going to be happy. If I could just get to this level. When I was a young man and I was toiling for somebody else, I said, man, I can't wait till I get my own golf, till I'm a superintendent. And I don't have to, I don't have no superintendent over me. I can't wait till I'm a golf course superintendent. I'm the boss. I get, to run, I get to run the programs. I get to... Then it happened. <laughs> After a few years that I'm looking, what else? Man, I was so stupid. I should have stayed into the field that I trained for, and I would have been... Who knows what would have happened by now? But I'll tell you what did happen. So many things happened. Had I would have, if, if I would have went ahead and followed the other paths that were laid before me, I might not have ever met Michelle. And then there'd be a few people in this room that wouldn't be here right now. No, no, I'm not making fun. Right? Or, or maybe I would have, you know, taken a wrong turn. I would have went down a path because, you know, I, I had this goal or I had that goal. Come on now, are, are you with me? So, so am I saying to you, I'm here and now because every decision that I made was according to God's plan. Is, is, is that what you're hearing? Because that's not what I'm saying. But here's what I am saying. As I learn from God and I start choosing according to what I then know, I, I got a chance, you know. I still may miss that mark. I still may fire a dart and miss that balloon. But guess what? All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, for those who are called according to his purpose. His spirit inside of me tells me you missed it. 
You went the wrong way. Let's get back on course. And he grabs me by the hand or he'll kick me in the behind if that's what's needed. But whatever is needed, he's able to do that to me or for me and with me. And now my focus is back on that, that mark, that goal. That, are, are you, come on, are you, is anybody hearing me? Come on now, listen. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave you with one last scripture, and then we'll pray and, and we'll go do what all you all are waiting for. <laughs> In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, here's what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and most of you all know that what he's referring to is the Old Testament saints who lived by faith, looking forward, like Moses, looking forward to what was coming. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My brothers and sisters, we have many, many examples. We looked at Moses, but now Jesus. Jesus. Did Jesus really want to go to that cross? How do I know that? Because I'm smart. No, because it says, remember, he went into the garden. He said, Father, if there's another way to do this, Let's do it that way. Nevertheless, your will be done and not mine. So he he hated the fact that he had to go to the cross, but he knew what would happen as a result of it. He was on the mission. He was staying to the goal, that mark, that upward calling, and he went ahead and he paved the way. He paved the way. Now we have this upward calling. We have this way up. Why? Because he's already paved the way. Because he's stuck. And he went ahead and he kept his eye on the mark. That upward calling. But look at what it says to us in Hebrews. Look at what it says to us. We had this sin and this stuff that so easily entangles us, ensnares us. Yeah, you know what? The enemy of your soul uses all of this to distract us, to take our eyes off the real goal that we should have. Am I saying to y'all, hey, kids, don't worry about the college thing. Don't worry about graduate. God forbid. No, absolutely not. Man, go and get your degree. Am I saying to you, adults, well, wherever it is, wherever you are now, just forget it. Just keep your eyes Man, if, no. Man, if you're working hard, the Bible instructs us in every area of our life. Every area. You know, I want to be, you know, my goal, Tony, I, ha- I had a person tell me this this week because they wanted me to hire him for a job. My, my, I had this person tell me, oh, I just want to be the best dad. I just want to be the best husband. I want, okay, good. How do you do that? Uh, read. Read. He gives you instructions on how to do that. I don't need to read a book by uh, Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock or anybody else, you know, live long and proud. I don't need that. I don't need any of that garbage. You know what I need? Right here, because his plan is the right way. He says to raise your kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. He says, you may raise your child up in the way they should go. When they get older, they won't depart. What's the way they should go? You're, you're doing the thing according to God's plan. You're steering them toward that mark of the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. That's the right way because if you're steering your children that way, guess what? They're going to succeed. Guaranteed. You're not adhering their eyes to this stuff. You're getting them to look at the eternal stuff. When I, I, don't, I didn't know how to be a good husband. 
Praise God. My wife grew up under a Christian father and a Christian mother. She helped me. It just so happens we both rededicated our lives to the Lord when we got together after we, and then when we got married, we decided we're going to, this is it, we're following the Lord. Thank God we had parents and we had each other, but most of all we had this. So we're able to go ahead and, and be married for 36 years. What, 37? 36? I guess I'm not a good husband. <laughs> no, 37 years. So we can be married this long. Why? Because, listen, honestly, was it all a cakewalk? I love Michelle. She loves me. There's no one, I would, there's no one else I would ever want to be with, period. That's it. Is it. Does that mean just everything, sunshine and lollipops? No, it was hard. You know, I told you, our, my goal, her goal was to, to have a family, and she had a family. Does that mean when she hit, had that family, her life was all sunshine and lollipops? No, she was married to me. <laughs> I'm going to preach over here. She was married to me. And I was learning. I was working out my salvation in fear and trembling. And she's working out her salvation with fear and trembling. So my brothers and sisters, what am I saying to you? I'm saying, look at anything, anything that we want to do. We, we, this is it. It's right here. It's all in here. Don't let this distract you. It's the eternal. If we keep our eyes on the eternal, this will work itself out. You know Why? Because I said so. No, because he said so. He said so. So what is it? What do you want? What's your goal? What is the prize that you have your eye on right now? How about, I, I know I've got some ministers in here. How about you ministers? What's your ministry goals? Is it all about you or is it all about him? Is it all about you? Is it about, you know, hey, let me see if I can get a following. Let me see if I could have people that, that will uh, listen to me. Let me see if I can get people to, to trust that I'm a man of God, that I'm hearing from God. Let, let, me, let me have people lift me up, boost me up. Let me go, no. No. There, we've got too many of them. There's too many celebrity preachers. We need some people that are, are just willing to get in the darn trenches and just tell the truth. Listen, if you don't follow Jesus, you ain't going to make it. Period. That's it. But, it's not all hard. He's, man, he's there with you. He loves you. And he proved how much he loved you. He wouldn't have died for you. He wouldn't have done everything that he did. And he didn't do it just so that, listen, so he could abandon you and then see how it all works out. So that the first time you can make a mistake, you're going to be kicked to the curb and that's it. Or the first time some, one, of, one of these things trips you up, then that's, it's all over, done. No, no. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And when you miss the mark, when you miss the mark, his spirit lets you know about it, and then he go ahead and he says, come on, let's go. We're in this together. Let's go ahead. Let's reestablish that mark, and let's forget all this other stuff. Amen? Amen. Okay, so listen. I really believe that everyone is in this room for a reason. The Lord started ministering to me this message at least two weeks ago. At least two weeks ago. He knew you would be here. I didn't know you would be here. So if you really believe in God, if you really do. Or, or you know, maybe you're not even born again yet. Maybe you're not born again yet. But something here, you know that something inside of you is churning. Or maybe, listen, maybe you went ahead and you made a prayer, but you know you're not living right. You know you've missed the mark. Man, let, let, let today be the day. Let today be the day. Get, get right back on track. I think that you, you're here for a reason. I think maybe some of this stuff has, has gotten your way. Some of this stuff has clouded your vision just a little bit. 
And so, can it be that the Lord is speaking to you this morning and saying, look, you missed the mark. My mark is taking you upward. My mark is taking you upward. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the uh, mic to praise something. Is it something the praise team can sing? Anyway, just listen, as the music's playing, just listen. Please, go to God. If, God, if that's you, if God is ministering to you, go to God. Please, go to, go to God. Let's pray. And then we'll pray together, and then we'll go ahead and pray for the food, and, and we'll eat. Okay? All right. was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now the Savior knelt to wash our feet now at His feet we bow the one who shines for all. 